MSW Media. Season four of How We Win is here. For the past four years, we've been making history in critical elections all over the country. And last year, we made history again by expanding our majority in the Senate, eating election-denying Republicans in crucial state house races, and fighting back a non-existent red wave. But the MAGA Republicans who plotted and pardoned the attempted overthrow of our government now control the House, thanks to gerrymandered maps and repressive anti-voter laws. And the chaotic spectacle we've already seen shows us just how far they will go to seize power, dismantle our government, and take away our freedoms. So the official podcast of The Persistence is back with season four. There's so much more important work ahead of us to fight for equity, justice, and our very democracy itself. We'll take you behind the lines and inside the rooms where it happens with strategy and inspiration from progressive changemakers all over the country. And we'll dig deep into the weekly news that matters most and what you can do about it with messaging and communications expert, co-founder of Way to Win, and our new co-host, Jennifer Fernandez-Ancona. So join Steve and I every Wednesday for your weekly dose of inspiration, action, and hope. I'm Steve Pearson. And I'm Jennifer Fernandez-Ancona. And And this this is is How We Win. Win. just some lawyer's turn of phrase. It is the very foundation of our democracy. The essence of the rule of law is that like cases are treated alike. That there not be one rule for Democrats and another for Republicans, one rule for the powerful, another for the powerless, one rule for the rich and another for the poor, or different rules depending upon one's race or ethnicity. To serve as Attorney General at this critical time is a calling I am honored and eager to answer. So yeah, now it's clean up on aisle 45 time. And for a long while yet, it is going to be clean up on aisle 45. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Clean Up on Aisle 45. Today is Wednesday, August 17th. This is episode 83. And uh, I'm Allison Gill, and I'm joined, as always, by real-life lawyer and real-life friend, Andrew Torres. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Allison. Uh, that always makes me smile, always makes me happy. And uh, how are you doing today? Oh, my gosh. I'm so good today. So, <laughs> so a couple things have happened. Since we last (laughs) recorded a show, uh, including, but not limited to, a search warrant being executed at Mar-a-Lago, which we can discuss a little bit. Uh, But also, you know, last Monday, Lindsey Graham filed a a brief with the motion to quash his subpoenas in Fulton County, uh, you know, where Fonnie Willis is investigating a potential interference in Georgia elections. Uh, by by the coup squad. And, uh, and we were sort of waiting to see what a judge would decide. I had posited on my last show, like, I think that he'll lose, but 
it to me, it wasn't a bad argument of all of the <laughs> arguments from lawyers that we've read, uh, in, you know, in the past <laughs> few years. This one actually was cogent. It made sense. And, and you know, it, it hinged on something called the speech or debate clause. And we're going to talk a little bit about that as well. So we, uh, I'm doing, uh, oh, and, and Rudy got a target letter from Fulton County this morning. <laughs> yeah, way to bury the lead. For the- <laughs> so <laughs> so he's, he's going to be indicted in Fulton County, Georgia, is my, is uh, my beans there. Yeah, um, so we have, we, have, we have a Fulton County heavy show. I agree with you. I We didn't make an official prediction either here or on opening arguments, but I, I will tell you, just to own the L on this one, I, I thought that uh, it was possible that uh, that that Graham would win on that motion to quash, right? And we'll we'll get into you know what his argument was. It is not right standing in the abstract, right? <laughs> in in pre-Trump world, the idea that a sitting senator would say, "Yeah, it's my job to figure out for the Senate." whether the election was fraudulent or not, that has surface level plausibility, right? I think the fact that he lost is a testament to the fact that, you know, this judiciary is not going to be bullied by uh, folks claiming the veneer of respectability when we know what they were doing. So and also wondering if there weren't some things filed under seal or uh, discussed uh, in hearings uh, in camera that we couldn't see. Uh, and, you know, in, in a lot of these cases, Andrew, the judge knows, for example, yeah. Judge Carter, uh, <laughs> when when uh, Judge Carter wrote that uh, opinion about, you know, 18 U.S. Code 371 and 1512 C2 and, and that Eastman and Trump were likely more probable than not uh, involved in, in, a, in a criminal conspiracy. Uh, these judges know a lot more than we do. They've seen a lot more evidence than we have. And so there must have been something uh, in the butter, uh, as my mom used to say, <laughs> uh, my mom never said that, um, when, uh, you know, that maybe that perhaps the judge has laid eyes on or heard about that says, you know, no, these phone calls, but also we can talk about this too, just the phone calls on their face, just exactly what he said yep. and what we know. He said, we've heard these phone calls. It could be as simple as that. So uh, very, yep. very interesting day. Uh, but that Rudy got a target letter just uh, oh, that brightened gosh. my Monday uh, yeah. up to no end. <laughs> it's no, no better way to wake up. All right. But before we get into the main show, it's time to thank our new patrons. If you want a shout out like this and you want access to all of our goodies, we've got the audio up from the Q&A session. We're going to have another Zoom hangout reasonably soon. Uh, he, you know, all you have to do is head on over patreon.com slash aisle 45 pod that's a-i-s-l-e-4-5 p-o-d just like nancy m mike beaufort annie kaufman send beer to canada Re- really are you sure about that mary c mcray mark van buskirk adam rose and a, a, a patreon crossover from opening arguments that always makes me giggle i'm fast at sex <laughs> and i finally got to show off my big juicy legal brain on a jury well i i i always love because i'm 12 years old uh reading i'm fast at sex so, <laughs> so thank you all so much for supporting the show uh and again you want to you know be among the ranks and uh, make us giggle head on over patreon.com slash aisle four five pod and uh with that out of our way uh let's uh, let's get into the meat of the show. Yeah. And, and first, just want to talk briefly because you and I have covered this pretty extensively on opening arguments and the Daily Beans. 
but the the search warrant that was signed mm. off by Judge Reinhardt, I believe is his name, uh, in Reinhold, Reinhardt, Reinhardt. Uh, he he signed off probable cause for three crimes. And something I wanted to ask you about, because I thought this was very, very interesting. So we've got 973 Espionage Act. We've got 2071 Presidential Records Act. And we've got obstruction, uh, destruction, concealment, etc. under 1519. It's one of the 15 obstruction family. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very close to 1512 C2. Um, and, and that's uh, carries a max twenty year sentence. That's just a huge crime. They're going to call it a process crime, but it's very, very. Uh, it's an A felony. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what was missing from from that warrant was eighteen U.S. Code nineteen twenty four. Yes. Which uh, is mishandling of classified documents, which is actually became a felony when Trump decided to make it a felony in twenty eighteen. It was it was just a misdemeanor. Uh, but an important one. Uh, but that one didn't make it onto the onto the list. And I find that very interesting because one of the defenses that has been <laughs> one of the contradicting defenses that has come out of the Trump camp. And by the way, we wouldn't know about any of this if Trump didn't leak it, if Trump didn't talk about it. So uh, is is that he declassified everything <laughs> uh, before he left. And I had I keep trying to tell him not him you know personally but people who are pushing that defense that i could see a doj filing where they file a motion to keep that defense from being argued because it's moot because none of this has to do with classified material you and i have seen a lot of different motions from the department of justice where they you know particularly in the sussman case or the bannon case where the judge disallows a defense from being used uh, for example, in the Bannon case, he wasn't allowed to defend himself by saying that his lawyer told him not to show up. Uh, and I just flashed forward to you and I going over some DOJ filing in the future that said that, you know, that reads, no, we're sorry, you can't argue as a defense that you declassified these documents because the classification of these documents, at least in the sense that, you know, you destroyed them, uh, is is moot. And so we're not going to allow that defense to be argued. Is that something that we might see? Because it's not necessarily dispositive that these things are highly classified. That can come in later to into different other arguments. But that's sort of where my brain went. Yeah, that is called a motion in limine, right? And that means to limit, to to prevent you from raising an argument that is irrelevant. So let's unpack. You got you had a lot there. So let's <laughs> I always let's unpack. Do. I always no, no, no. Do. I love it though. But, but let's talk but, about like as specifically as it relates to obstruction, the obstruction count. So, so that way we can sort of limit our discussion. Okay, but but I will tell you each of the three crimes that are listed in the search warrant application use language other than access to classified information, right? So espionage 793 and this is really 793e that we're talking about uh says if you have unauthorized possession of access to or control over any document relating to the national defense or information relating to the national defense which the information the possessor has reason to believe could be used to the injury of the united states or the benefit of any other foreign nation so that's the test for espionage it doesn't matter whether it's been declassified or not if it is if it is relating to the national defense or if it could be used to our advantage or to our disadvantage vis-a-vis any other country 
Declassifying it does not change that underlying status. That's 793 espionage. 1519 destruction falsification of records says whoever knowingly alters, destroys, mutilates, conceals uh, or makes a false entry in any record document or tangible object with the intent to impede or influence the investigation of the proper administration of any matter within the jurisdiction of the United States. Right. Is guilty of that 20 year maximum a felony and uh, emphasis included. Right. Right. On on that, uh, or you know, represents in any. Do- they signed a document saying that they handed over everything, uh, right. uh, and that's I think what you were kind of alluding to with that last little emphasis. Yep, that's exactly right. And then uh, the third uh, crime that is listed, twenty seventy one, uh, is whoever willfully and unlawfully conceals, removes, mutilates, obliterates any record, uh, document, or other thing filed with the. Uh, clerk or officer of any court of the United States or in any public office or with any judicial or public officer um, that that. Uh, so notice all three of those, the classification status is not relevant. Now, 1924, that was not listed uh, on the search warrant is typically an easier crime to prove. Right. And I'm going to talk about that in a second. But I think there are two sort of tweaks here that are potentially an issue. Right. So the first says is whoever being an officer, employee, contractor or consultant of the United States and by virtue of his office becomes possessed of documents or materials containing classified information, knowingly remove such documents without authority and with the intent to retain such documents at an unauthorized location shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than five years or both. So first, let's hit that rabbit trail. It was, in fact, that amendment to. Uh, 1924A that says in prison for not more than five years or both uh, that uh, was pushed by Trump uh, and the Republican uh, Congress in 2018. And it previously said one year. And and you are correct. That is the threshold for misdemeanor versus felony right under federal criminal law. More than a year equals a felony. So uh, so you're absolutely right on that. And the the hoist on his own petard stories are absolutely correct on that. Why is this not not charged? I, I think you, you have I mean, I paused over those two key elements. Right. So the first is it would it would make relevant the classification status. And you can see. Right. Already the DOJ being like, all right, fine. Like we're not we're not going to play that game. We know we're thinking a step ahead already. That's kind of what I thought. This was a a preemptive, uh, well thought out decision by a very intelligent uh, group of of lawyers at the Department of Justice that are like, they're going to claim he declassified them. How do we get around this? Well, we don't don't charge. (laughs) And, and, And I shouldn't I should not use the word charge. Right. A. A search warrant is not a charging document, but it's close, right? I've talked to a bunch of lawyers on this. My recollection from law school was, you know, we, we've assigned numbers to various evidentiary standards, right? So, you know, preponderance of the evidence is 50.1%. Uh, clear and convincing evidence, about 70, 75%. Guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. That's in the 90s, maybe even the high 90s. Uh, Probable cause, I always 
heard was sort of in the high 30s. Right. But I've had other lawyers tell me uh, not only, uh, you know, was were, was their classification kind of in the 40s, uh, but that there are state jurisdictions that have merged probable cause with the preponderance of the evidence. Right. In other words. So it's closer you know, to 50. Yeah. You're, you're talking about being convinced that there is it is more likely than not that a crime has been committed. Go ahead. And, and I'd like to file a motion or an aggregating mm. factor of him being the former president of the United States. You know, that that bumps the number up a little bit, doesn't it? I mean, it shouldn't. It, it, it absolutely. It, 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 I want to. So let's put a pin in that for one second, because I absolutely want to talk about that. The other thing that is kind of a unique factor of 1924 is that 1924 is written in present tense. And I have gone through and read a couple of 1924 cases, and I can't see if this distinction has ever been litigated. As far as I know, it has never been litigated. Um, but there's an argument of, oh, everything that is in the affidavit, right? Everything that the, because we now know the FBI surveilled Mar-a-Lago for a period of time prior to uh, executing on the search warrant that they watched people go in and out of the shed where this was kept and that sort of thing. Um, and, and you would have a, a technical and probably losing argument, but you would have an argument that all of that stuff occurred while Trump was not an officer, employee, contractor or consultant of the United States. And so, again, it, it, this to me feels like, OK, let's let's just, you know, dot the I's and J's and cross the T's and not not risk it. Yeah. Um, and this and, sort of bolsters our, our whole discussion about the 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 decision to charge Oath Keepers and Proud Boys with seditious conspiracy. Like yeah. they they aren't just throwing charges at the wall. They're being very deliberate about <laughs> about these charges, aren't they? Merrick Garland's statement, uh, I thought, was the most Merrick Garlandy of statements, right? We we are being pushed to give a statement the Department of Justice speaks through its court filings. So here we're going to give you a court filing. <laughs> today, we have moved to declassify the search warrant um, and and attachments A and B, not the supporting affidavit. I would love the supporting affidavit. Um, but you know who else would love the supporting affidavit is Donald Trump's defense lawyers. Of course. So, yeah. yeah. And I so think that, we'll see it. I think we'll see it at some point if charges it, it, are brought. And when see. when when he is charged, we we will see that. Uh, and I'm, I'm I'm moving on to when. Right. I, I think. <laughs> look. And, and let me. I said put a pin in it. So let's let's pull that pin out now. Um, every. Nixon era argument of, you know, well, this is going to be viewed as a political stunt and, you know, you can't have the acrimony and Trump himself doing that kind of backhanded, you know, back channeled America Garland going, the country is tearing itself apart over this. How can how can I, you know, magnanimously lower the temperature? Yeah. How um, would you like me to keep keep fire how how should you what can you do to stop me from lighting a bunch of fires <laughs> yeah it, it it to the extent that that was ever that that those concerns right and, and i should i should put a little meat on those bones um Gerald Ford pardoned Richard Nixon for any and all offenses uh, committed in connection with Watergate and did so after explicitly promising to do so. Right. Uh, 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 if uh, he were to be 
if he were to accede to the presidency, which happened, right? Um, he said, you know, if uh, Nixon resigns, there's no vice president. I'll become president. I will pardon Richard Nixon. Um, it it was an issue in the 1976 presidential election versus Jimmy Carter, which was very, very close uh, up until the end. So, uh, you know, who, who knows how it plays? But the argument was essentially, all right, we got him. We got the guy out. Let's now let's let the nation heal. Um, to the extent that that was ever a valid argument in 1974, I don't think it's a valid argument now. I think right now, if you look at folks on both parties, there is a sense that rich and powerful white men never pay for their crimes. Right. And so the idea that like, oh, it would do way more harm to have something that is perceived as political. Why well, everything is perceived as political. these days, Right. Like and 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 that kind of gets back to that pin, which is. Merrick Garland knew and took responsibility, by the way, said I was informed. I signed off on this. We we talked about uh, here uh, just uh, uh, two weeks earlier on this show, uh, you know, some of the the left wing furor over Merrick Garland extending the Bill Barr memo. Well, uh, how, how about that for uh, for forethought too? right? They know I'm I'm following the procedures your guy put into place that said you got to run everything way the far up the flagpole to me uh and and as we both said on that episode extending that bar memo does not mean not prosecuting donald trump it means before you do anything you have to get sign off at the highest levels of doj which we got there was no <laughs> doubt in my mind that merrick garland knew okay let, like I, and, and you saw mainstream media reported this as mar-a-lago raided well let me say this when a valid law enforcement agency executes a search warrant, we don't typically call that a raid, right? Like right. we call and that executing a search warrant. That and and you know, and uh, to be fair, I've I've used the language they raided Rudy, they raided No, no, no. And know. so have I. But I, uh but yeah, and and not only that, they did it quietly. They did it in plain clothes. They didn't wear their little windbreakers. Yep. Um they Wanted to be as chill about this as possible. Like, hey, we're not going to tell everybody if you don't. But then, yeah. <laughs> then <laughs> well. actually, there was a, a Florida reporter that, that had made a tweet. Uh, there's there's FBI activity. I think they've done some stuff down at Mar-a-Lago. And of course, I retweeted it. Everybody, <laughs> this hasn't been corroborated by any major news network yet. But I think Mar-a-Lago has been raided, you know. Nice. Nice. Um, but but your your point that I wanted to endorse was because he's whatever, the president, yeah. Yeah, whatever public harm there is, right? That that got cranked to a hundred the moment that that the attorney general signed off on getting a search warrant to send FBI agents onto the property at Mar-a-Lago and seize documents, right? That 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 was the the crossing of the Rubicon or, you know, the the uh my my favorite uh Mongol horseman, right? The one turns to the other and says, um what 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 is the great Khan's penalty for uh officers who are late to to his uh, summoning? Well, the penalty there is death. And uh, and what's the penalty for desertion? The penalty is death. Well, I got bad news for you. We're late. 
Right. Um, and and and, you know, think about that. Right. Like when when there is already the maximum possible outrage. Right. Then you've, you've now baked that in. There's now there's nowhere else to go. You have, you know, the right wing outrage machine has already cranked up to 11 on they've planted evidence, but we want that evidence back. And, you know, this is politicized and we're going to defund Merrick Garland. And I yeah, right. So it so was always going to be it was always going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and you know, a lot of folks I, I put out a thread uh, back in January that said, if I if I walked out with classified documents, I would they would be knocking on my door today. And, and that is kind of true. You know, people are like, well, you know, he gets all this deferential treatment. And there is some truth to that. The Department of Justice did a subpoena, quietly went down there. They brought they brought the head of espionage and counterintelligence down there with him because he's probably the only guy who has clearance to look at some of these documents. Um, they they kept it all on the down low. They they worked with him trying to get these documents back. They asked him to put a lock on the door. And and it is true. I would not get that same kind of due process, I guess. Uh due diligence, I, I I should I should say rather. Um and 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 I think that there's I don't I don't know that that's necessarily a, a bad thing because this is of this is the former president of the United States who is not above the law. But if you're going to come at the former president of the United States, you have to make those decisions like keeping 1924 off the thing. Um, it has to be deliberate. You have to take every single step because this is not only going to be tried in a court of law, it's going to be tried in a court of public opinion. So that those things, those extra steps, I feel like you need to take them on these bigger, more important cases. It, it, it would be the same with the with the Oklahoma City bombing. It, it, I agree with all of that. Let let me let, let's take a tiny detour down the 18 USC 793 espionage path, because I, I wrote an article on this six years ago. Sure. Um, you you might be able to, to figure out the subject matter of the article from the title, which is lock her up. Um, and 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 that was the question, right? This was a slightly different hypothesis than the one that you just gave, which was, okay, civil servant accidentally takes classified documents out of her office. How is that treated under the law? And then there's what Hillary Clinton did. And, and, and I'm going to read you what James Comey said, right? This was July 5th, 2016. James Comey said, Although we did not find clear evidence that Secretary Clinton or her colleagues intended to violate laws governing the handling of classified information, there is evidence that they were extremely careless in their handling of very sensitive, highly classified information. Now, extremely careless is more careless than careless, right? It's it's extreme, right? It's, you know, in, in neon colors. And uh, uh, it, so then the question became, is that? sufficient to trigger the Espionage Act and not the provisions that would apply to Donald Trump, because the provisions that would apply to Donald Trump at this point now are very clearly knowing, right? It, 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 you can't you can't serve a subpoena on someone, have them return one third of the stuff they took <laughs> and then be like, oh, yeah, no, we still thought it was OK to have that. Right. Like that's there. This is we have moved part of the value in the uh 
slow and methodical approaches, it's now going to be incredibly easy to prove 793E, which requires you to knowingly mis, uh, mishandle uh, that subset of information right, related to national security. But F1 makes it a, a crime to permit any document relating to the national defense, again, regardless of, of classification, to be removed from its proper place of custody or delivered to anyone in violation of his trust or to be lost, stolen, abstracted, or destroyed. Okay? And that standard is gross negligence in permitting any document to be removed from its place of custody. And so what I wanted to look at was, as... The right wing was howling at the time. Okay, you got a fair argument on face, right? Gross negligence sounds a lot like extremely careless. Is this the kind of case that would be brought? This was back back before Rudy Giuliani decomposed and went off the deep end. And Giuliani, you know, seemed like a, you know, ex-prosecutor. He said, I don't have any doubt I can win this case in front of a jury if I were to go prosecute Hillary Clinton for, for 793 F1. And, um, and this was our first indication that Rudy Giuliani was not above lying to make a political point. Um, as it turns out, of the 240 Espionage Act cases in the modern era, 234 of them were about subsection E, were about willful violations as opposed to accidental violations. So the way to kind of bring all of that full circle, and I'm sorry for a little bit of the lengthy uh, uh, digression there, is that we have made it clear over 50 years across multiple presidential administrations, different parties in, in and out of power, that we don't prosecute you for espionage for being careless, right? What we try and do is get the documents back. Are there some edge cases? Yes, there are six edge cases where people were so idiotically careless that there was nothing we could do about it, right? Uh, one guy, I, I love this one, I've mentioned it a couple times on the show, was a guy who uh, was in charge of shredding documents for the Air Force, um, but he wanted to go home early. So instead of shredding documents, he just threw them in a dumpster. And since this was the 1970s, like, you know, kids were playing in dumpsters all the time. And like a kid was playing in the dumpster, grabbed a whole bunch of secret documents, took it home to his dad. And like that was kind of the end of that house of cards. Right. OK. You know, if if you've said, I understand the process for handling this document is shredding but i have decided dumpster because faster <laughs> maybe we will court martial you right and they did they you know they 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 drummed that guy but even then that guy didn't you know isn't busted rocks that guy got reduced in rank uh down to airman basic and then uh dishonorably discharged right so i it, it the way i put all of that together is um yes there is some cautiousness over uh the president but you but this kind of allegation in general, 18 U.S.C. 793, violation of the Espionage Act, the thing, the, the lineal descendant of the thing that the Rosenbergs were executed for, right? Same statute is a thing that our government has said repeatedly. All right. We take it seriously. We have 240 cases on this, but we have to be very, very convinced that mm -hmm. that there is something approaching 
either, you know, gross negligence of willful blindness to what you were doing or uh, as as was the case in, you know, 97 percent of these cases, uh, deliberate effort to take something that, you know, is of interest to national security and to hide it, to cover your tracks, all of that. This is it. This is, uh, you know, you said process, you know, they're going to call it process. I, I haven't heard that yet because they're still too busy, you know, sort of tripping mm-hmm. over their shoelaces at this point in time. But but right this is espionage they will they'll they'll be like look it's they're only they're only mad because i i you know didn't give these documents back they don't care about the actual documents he'll talk about the merits of the documents he'll it's gonna go that way but also you know with regards to knowing um you know jason leopold the the master of foia by the way uh, got some documents that show in October of 2017, Stefan Passantino circulated PRA compliance reminders around the White House. Noted, failure to abide by these requirements can lead to administrative penalties. The willful destruction or concealment of federal records is a federal crime. Trump's own lawyer told him in writing. So there's mountains of, of evidence, um, including this slow and deliberative process of multiple subpoenas and i just find it very interesting andrew and maybe you can speak to this a little bit this this is my one question trump could have started crowing about this when he got the subpoena in june he could have started crowing about this in january he could have started crowing about this investigation and and the 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 deep state dirty garland crew (laughs) uh long before now long before last monday and as you know, I was talking to Andy McCabe. He's like, we probably wouldn't have known about this raid if if Donald didn't come out and start screaming about it and making his statements. Uh, because there's no photos. We don't see there are no jackets. It's quiet. They just went in and like they went at 10 instead of five in the morning. So why now? Right. And, I, and I'm wondering if there wasn't a target letter uh, or some sort of uh, indication that he's very close to being criminally prosecuted yeah well moving from enforcing a subpoena so so it is not just why now donald trump had two separate lengthy opportunities to return these documents right the first was during the period of voluntary negotiation with with the doj and with the 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 national archives too yeah and the second was after having received a subpoena right that that I literally gave us an example on this show and on my show of the like, well, you know, if you return boxes like one, two, three, five, seven, nine, eleven, and thirteen, like the, somebody is going to figure out maybe you haven't given us back all the boxes. And when you look at the receipt, it it literally I was using that as a, a, a an oversimplified analogy. Nope. It's like box labeled a one box labeled a 12 box labeled a 15 a 16 a 17 a 18. I mean, it seems very clear uh, that they went through. They they cherry picked. They gave about a third of the stuff that they stole from the White House uh, back. And given the information that was obvious on its face, right, like literally they delivered boxes two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, uh, with these gaps in the middle, right? Like uh, it, it was just 
um, uh, you know, uh, uh, thumbing your nose at the authority, right? I mean, it was a way of saying like, oh no, we're going to do what we've always done, right? Which is stonewall and, uh, uh, you know, and you're, you're not the president anymore. <laughs> your, your buddy isn't the attorney general anymore. And so, um, so I think with, with, with respect to your question of was there a target letter? I don't, I don't think there had to be one. I think mm-hmm. all of a sudden that escalating into executing a search warrant, right, was was sufficient, right? Like that, that although, you know, this lawyer, Christina Bob, boy, like <laughs> I, the only thing I could find about her is that she is admitted to the California bar and is in good standing. Um, so present, right? Uh, but as far as I can tell, has never been associated with a firm, has never practiced. I mean, just like not the kind of person you want in charge of Jerry Callow with a C. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, well, either her or Corcoran signed that uh, lie. Oh. And, uh, they're, they're either going to dig their heels in and stand their ground or they're singing like Beverly Sills. We'll find out. Yeah. Um, Corcoran, Evan Corcoran, Baltimore lawyer, <laughs> not somebody I know. Uh, but, um, and I'm, and I always uh, think of, of uh, Tommy, the Cork Corcoran every time I see it out there, but, <laughs> but, but no, that statement, go, go ahead, explain that, that statement. Cause this is outrageous that, that anybody, that any lawyer would perjure themselves in this way. Okay, so so basically, it's, uh, when they went down there in June, when uh, Brat, I believe his name is, who's the head of uh, counterintelligence for the Department of Justice, went down there with a couple other DOJ officials to to collect the stuff pursuant to a subpoena. Evan Corcoran signed this uh, this piece of paper saying, attesting to the fact that they have handed over all of the materials that that you have pursuant to the subpoena, and they didn't. Right. And uh, and and of course, you know, we read in the New York Times over the weekend as well that they on the surveillance tapes, they saw people after that moving boxes. Some, it's some 60 day period moving boxes around um, that, you know, that's obviously part of the 1519 charge. We don't know if it's that that's it. You know, the entire 1519 charge uh, or not charge, but you know what I mean? Um statute on the warrant yeah used as the basis used as the basis for the execution of the search warrant so that yeah that's apps i i I had no idea he had admitted to it (laughs) well it it is it is inexplicable i yeah i it's just uh and and in particular (laughs) from somebody right because bob was a talking head on oan Right. Those are her qualifications. So, you know, somewhat south of your qualifications to represent somebody in connection with a search warrant. Right. Um, Well, that and her signature on the receipts on Monday of the inventory items on the warrant uh, or the two the two inventory uh, receipts. Mm-hmm. And then she comes out on, on, you know, on the right wing channels demanding ever, you know, the DOJ release the warrant. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> release the thing I've got in my hand. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 but, but any, there, there is no, I'm struggling for the words yeah. here. Yeah. We're, Evan we're Corcoran out of, is, we're a out of real, is a real lawyer. And the, the fact that, it, the fact that a real lawyer would attest to something that they, 
know to be false or uh, are in utter disregard of, uh, you know, willfully blind as to the truth is really staggering. Do you think um, perhaps uh, I'm assuming what he will say is that Donald told him that they yeah, gave but, all the boxes back. And so he was signing something based on the word of Donald Trump, which, again, staggeringly stupid. Right. Yeah. Remember the Kraken sanctions, right? Like it, it is right with the not, affidavits. You didn't yeah. take one second to call up Bob and see if he had suitcases full of you know ballots. It, 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 when you were when you were watching them loading boxes two through ten, but not boxes one and eleven. I come on, right? Like at 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 some point you have an affirmative obligation. Now look, I, I have had discovery cases, right, in which I have described how documents were produced. And in the ordinary course of business, documents get produced by uh, I call up my client and I figure out who's the relevant custodian of the records. And I say, produce those documents, send them to me. I'm going to review them for privilege and then Bates label them and send them off. Right. And so I have filled out affidavits that said, yes, I relied on my client to uh, produce that initial run. But if there was a a, a challenge to that, <laughs> right, I would then be required. So if somebody said, OK, but it looks like, you know, here's an email that, you know, we have on our side that you didn't produce. And why was this not a part of the production at that point? I would have to go visit my client, right, and go over the processes used and be like, okay, why don't you show me, right? You know, this is uh, uh, shades of the Alex Jones trial, right, like in which, uh, you know, his lawyer said, well, you know, Alex Jones told us that he searched his phone for Sandy Hook <laughs> and came up with no documents. Well, you know, uh, and then all of a sudden when you get a copy of the actual drive and you type in Sandy Hook, Boom, you know, up pop a million text messages. Yeah, but um, this th is also national defense information. Yes, yes. <laughs> like this isn't like, oh, did you hand over all those emails or did you get John Eastman's phone? This right. is potentially like top secret SCI information and then possibly documents, as the Washington Post reported, that can't even be put on the inventory sheet because you cannot confirm or deny their existence because they're so fucking classified so like above like access code access top secret above T tssci can i can i get your beans on that what do you think donald trump is doing with plans to do with has done with this with with these set of documents because i know my i have my kind of crazy theory but i'm i love your crazy theories the, the most so I see my tweet uh, in response to Jen Taub asking the same question October 29th of 2020 before the election. He's going <laughs> to sell intelligence to pay his debts. So people are asking, why are they moving these and not just burning them? Why aren't they just shredding these documents to prove it so that he can't have them anymore? Well, first of all, that's illegal, too. But also, these are the same as cash to him. Um, and the fact that we've got this, he's, you know, a couple of days uh, before the, you know, in, in June, when when he makes Cash Patel, uh, one of his custodians <laughs> of records, who, by the way, if he looked at any of this, is also in a shitload of trouble, um, goes up to, to Bedminster to have a golf tournament with the Saudis. 
uh, and then and then and I, here's my here's my way out there super space beans buries an incredibly heavy casket that took ten pallbearers to carry uh, off the first tee under the name Ivana Trump. Uh, so uh, if I here's the cool thing though, and here's what we can we can we can know this: uh, the DOJ knows what's missing, and if they haven't found it yet. They'll just have to keep looking for it. And I would be very surprised if after they found these boxes being moved, that they weren't surveilling the hell out of out of this this stuff. So I think they'll find it. I don't know where they'll find it, but I don't think they'll find it at Mar-a-Lago. Let's just say that. I like it. Let's uh, let, let's hold off on that. I, I I will tell you, it took me a while to pivot. Well, <laughs> it took me 24 hours to pivot because that's how long it took between the the announcement of the search warrant and the announcement that uh, they contained nuclear sensitive documents for me to pivot from. Oh, this is obviously a cover up to one six to. Uh, uh, oh, no, this is uh, somebody who is. Again, you know, my my suppositions are close to yours. Um, I think it has to do with the Middle East. I think it has to do with MBS, MBZ, and I think it has to do with their whole Marshall Plan, Mideast Marshall Plan of, of building reactors in Saudi Arabia under the guise of being able to enrich uranium to eventually develop nuclear weapons. That, that's my beans. So my beans are on the fact that uh, billions of dollars in Trump debt are held by the Russians. Uh, we we know this. We have very, very detailed reporting uh, of the oligarchs, Russian intel officials, and all-around bad dudes and ladies uh, that were part of the Trump Tower meeting in 2016. That's detailed in Volume 1 of the Mueller Report, which went back to 2013, and the 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 idiot the, the you could not you either have to be as dumb as Donald Trump is or you have to be you know kind of blithely wandering into a situation begging to be bribed a la the ab scam scandal in the 1970s to not think hey i'd like to open a hundred story building in downtown moscow and get paid for it and have all of a sudden like putin's highest oligarchs are like yes this is an excellent plan like i, I are you kidding me so yeah my, the whole my, the whole presidency could have been about getting nuclear secrets for russia i mean I, we it, it i look at it buzzfeed news did a uh, a report in 2018 that showed that uh, among other things at the trump soho condos in manhattan oh and by the way i just want to before you go into the trump mm. soho uh, condo thing the reason I say nuclear reactors in Saudi Arabia is that was part of Russia had a lot to do with that. Um, you know, this all all roads lead to Putin is. is yeah, I'll just leave it there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was not trying to out, you know, Putin. <laughs> uh, I, out Putin. I was I was going to say. At, at, at Trump Soho, 77% of the sales to, to condos were to shell companies, most of them unregistered LLCs that paid cash. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, it is just and it has been named in multiple lawsuits as, uh, you know, a magnet uh, for for money laundering. Right. The um, mansion in Florida bought by yeah. Rob Lovlove. 
Yeah. I mean, it's there's it's we could go on. I had a whole podcast yep. about it. Yep, yep, yep. So okay, I wanted I wanted to go down because I I think I think the uh, the Saudi of uh, Saudi nuclear stuff is sort of equally scary. But yeah, like this is why you don't have a president who hangs out with Russian oligarchs and mobsters and bad dudes. And I think. You know, I think it's less of a well-orchestrated plan and more of a just like, oh, I'm going to grab whatever looks like an asset on yes, my way out. Uh, sort yeah. of, yeah, sort of like the Manafort will make whole uh, with yeah. my buddy Deripaska. Uh, I can get you some campaign info, but yeah, well, you know, yeah, it's. I'm looking forward to the speaking indictments. Let's just say that. <laughs> Me uh, too. I'm, so let's, uh, I, all right, we spent some amount of time on the <laughs> we said uh, we weren't going Mar-a-Lago to, but we ended up. Uh, I had but I couldn't, couldn't help it. Uh, let's talk about the developments in uh, Fonnie Willis, uh, in Fonnie Willis's uh, Georgia. So how about yeah, that? Yeah, so a judge uh, uh filed an order today in the, uh, you know, Lindsey Graham's motion to quash his subpoena. He didn't want to have to testify because he is a god uh, <laughs> and gods don't need to testify. No, he, he was basically uh, a pretty thoughtful argument. We could talk about it. Speech or debate clause. He was saying here, let me read you the intro because it, it goes over his three arguments. Yeah. Uh, the case comes before the court on Senator Lindsey Graham's expedited motion to quash after due consideration and with the benefit of a hearing. This court denies the motion. In sum, the court finds that there are considerable areas of potential grand jury inquiry falling outside the speech or debate clause's protections. Additionally, sovereign immunity, which was another one of his arguments, fails to shield Senator Graham from testifying before the special purpose grand jury. And finally, though Senator Graham argues that he is exempt from testifying as a high-ranking government official, the court finds that the district attorney has shown extraordinary circumstances and a special need for Senator Graham's testimony on issues relating to alleged attempts to influence or disrupt the lawful administration of Georgia's 2020 elections. So those are the three arguments. All three arguments failed. And the judge denied Lindsey Graham's motion to quash this subpoena. Yeah. And and when Lindsey Graham filed that motion to quash, you and I went back and forth just like we did at the beginning of the show going, these are not bad arguments. Right. So so the first argument is, hey, the grand jury wants to bring in Senator Graham to talk about, quote, the substance of the telephone calls that he made in November of 2020. However, the problem for the district attorney, I'm reading directly from Lindsey Graham's brief is that this content, election law and absentee ballots, is a thoroughly legislative subject. And so inquiring into Senator Graham's investigations on the subject is prohibited. For one thing, this is a topic on which legislation may be had, including legislation uh, creating national standards for mail-in voting, as Senator Graham has said that he wanted, and uh, potentially amending the Electoral Count Act, right? Which, again, federal legislation... That's a plausible argument on its face, right? And the speech and debate clause says members of Congress get absolute immunity for stuff that is in connection with their job, right? So it 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 stems from Article One, Section Six, Clause One, right? That that uh, uh, you will have immunity, quote, for any speech or debate in either house and shall not be questioned in any other place. So that's the like 18th century, delightfully old timey language. <laughs> um, but but yeah, right. We we do not want to allow you to go after why the sausage is being made. Right. Um, that 
we want legislators to have absolute, full, complete immunity when they're putting together legislation. And then the idea is if they make bad laws, you vote them out. Right. So um, what did what did the judge say here? <laughs> the, the, the judge looked at this <laughs> argument um, and said, uh, OK, your argument is that uh, the you, that the grand jury is going to ask you about these calls and the calls were made uh, within furthering your uh, legislative privilege. Right. And uh, the court said, yeah, no, we're not sure that you're looking at this the right way. Right. <laughs> One of the essential premises of Senator Graham's I argument. I found my legislative purpose. <laughs> yeah. I've got one. Your mom's going to love me. <laughs> Is that the DA seeks only to question him about the two phone calls made to Georgia election officials. In this way, Senator Graham tethers his argument to a selective reading of the certificate of material witness that was issued by the Fulton County Superior Court. And in doing so, suggests that its references to the two calls that he made to uh, Secretary of State Raffensperger are the only area on which he will or could be questioned. However, the DA's request to impanel the grand jury and the order granting that request make it clear that the grand jury's purpose is broader. It has been impaneled to investigate the facts and circumstances relating directly or indirectly to possible attempts to disrupt the lawful administration of the 2020 elections in the state of Georgia. Um, and so what that means is that there are other areas of relevant inquiry on which Lindsey Graham has knowledge and may be questioned, including his public statements after the election, as well as conversations or interactions he had with the Trump campaign or other third parties that are relevant to the grand jury's investigation into attempts to, to disrupt the lawful administration of, of Georgia's 2020 elections. So on that question of uh, <laughs> legislative purpose, the court's like, yeah, we can ask you about way more than just those two phone calls. But by the way, yeah. even if we were just uh, interested in asking you about those two phone calls, that we don't think that those are legislative in nature. We think that those are political in nature. And we think part of how you tell whether something is political versus legislative are, and here I'm going to quote again from the sort of delightful but slightly archaic language, efforts to cajole or exhort state election officials to change their election practices or alter election results. And and that really brings full circle to, you know, what we talked about in, in the intro section, right? Which was, um, this is a judge saying, yeah, you were not calling up state officials and neutrally saying, oh, hi, this is Senator Lindsey Graham. You may have heard of me. I am inquiring as to your practices with respect to the president of the United States, one Donald mm -hmm. Trump. I don't, you know, you may have <laughs> heard of him too, right? I don't know. Right? I'm about like, to go no. in and make a legislative decision. Tell me, right. tell me yeah. this, this, how sure you are of your election results. I have no information whatsoever and no opinions about this. I am just fact finding. No, of course not. And I and I truly love that they have that this this is so, sort of the you know this, but but even if this and and they did this right uh, when the Department of Justice uh, denied certification for Mo Brooks. They said, look, first of all, when you were doing that kick ass take names thing, you were campaigning, so that's not covered under your job duties as a federal employee, but. Even if that doesn't fly with this court, you can't 
say that part of your job in the government is overthrowing the government. So <laughs> and I'm paraphrasing there. They they were much more, you know, legal and, and specific about it. But that that and and as I was reading this decision, Andrew, I got to tell you, I wasn't expecting the but. I wasn't expecting to them to to pivot and say but you do have to testify about these two phone calls cuz th- <laughs> it's not what that's it's not part of legislative purpose. It it can't be it, on its face. Now, now we should be clear about what avenues are are left open to to Lindsey Graham here. But <laughs> I love the way you juxtapose those two because I'm I'm going to read from the opinion, bottom of page ten, t- top of page eleven, and note how similar what the court actually said was to your paraphrase. Even if the court were to accept that Senator Graham's two calls to Georgia election officials were comprised entirely of legislative fact finding and that any inquiry related to those two calls was therefore shielded by the speech and debate clause, there would still be significant areas of potential testimony related to the grand jury's investigation on which Senator Graham could be questioned that would in no way fall within those protections. Stated another way, the mere possibility that some lines of inquiry could implicate Senator Graham's immunity under the speech or debate clause does not justify quashing the subpoena in its entirety because there are considerable areas of inquiry, which are clearly not legislative in nature. Okay. Um, and and notice that that in its entirety is is sort of the linchpin of, of this decision. This gets remanded back down to the trial court. Um, and a, as a result, right, um, it, and, and denied without prejudice, right? So in other words, the, the court has now said, look, you can, Lindsey Graham, raise specific tailored objections to things that you upon which you would not have to speak uh, or documents you would not have to produce. And this court will entertain those. And we've even given you kind of a roadmap for what that might be. Yeah, kind of the things that you can uh, say yeah. fall within speech and debate. Not a get out of jail free. Yeah, exactly. So is he going to do two different things here? Is he going to go to the lower court and maybe start spelling out specific things he doesn't want to talk about while also appealing this decision up to the appeals court? That is 100% what I would do. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. we know he's going to appeal it. Yeah. But I, you know, I would just, I, I know everyone's like, oh, he's going to run out the clock or whatever. Uh, this isn't the same as like oversight getting the Mazar's document or ways and means getting Trump's, getting Trump's taxes. This is an expedited per Lindsey Graham's own, uh, you know, he wants it expedited, <laughs> you know, you, so it's it's going to go pretty fast. Yeah, look, like the, the the difference there is in the the case of Donald Trump's tax returns, uh, there was injunctive relief granted at the appellate level, uh, differing places in the differing cases that went up. And this um, is a criminal here, investigation. Yeah, here the likelihood uh, that you are going to get uh, an an appellate court or even the Supreme Court. I know. I'm, I'm, we'll talk about that in a second. To uh, stay the effect of this judgment in an ongoing uh, grand jury proceeding strikes me as almost zero. And I would point out, with the exception of Clarence Thomas, this Supreme Court has been activist in favor of right wing policies, but not particularly activist in terms of trying to save Donald Trump's personal bacon. They don't care about him anymore. That was transactional. Uh, They're on the court now and there's not a damn (laughs) thing that Donald Trump can do about it. And so, you know, all the way back to uh, the, uh, you know, declassification decisions. I mean, this you just do not see uh, any consistent effort 
like the effort by mainstream Republican legislative candidates, right, and 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 mm-hmm. gubernatorial candidates to you know line up in lockstep. This Supreme Court does not do Donald Trump's bidding. They they do their own bidding, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is terrifying. Uh, but it's terrifying in a slightly different direction. So I'm I'm with you. I have yeah. a question for you. I think if and correct me if I'm wrong, I think Lindsey Graham argued that this wasn't technically a criminal investigation because it was being at this point handled by a special grand jury that cannot issue indictments. Only the regular grand jury can issue indictments. Uh, Did the judge address that argument? I am so glad you raised that question because I wanted to see because that 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 shocked me as well. Uh, And I wanted to see an analysis of that argument. And it is not present at all in this final order. And and here's my except to say where this speaks of the special grand jury uh, impaneled uh, by Fonnie Willis. Um, It says uh, that. Lindsey Graham was incorrect in saying that it is limited only to finding civil wrongs. In fact, right, that the the grand jury's purpose is to right investigate the facts and circumstances relating directly or indirectly to possible attempts to disrupt the lawful administration of the 2020 elections in the state of Georgia. In other words, this grand jury can find criminal information, right? If, yeah, if, and I, I, if, th- if I think she's. Yeah, go ahead. I, th- I think she kind of addressed it in when she talked about the 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 chart, like the you know what what the special purpose grand jury does pursuant to OCGA fifteen twelve mm. to one hundred for the purpose of investigating the facts and circumstances related directly or indirectly to possible attempts to disrupt the lawful administration uh, of the election, et cetera. Right. Uh, so. It's 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 sort of backhandedly addressed in that this judge talks about the purpose of the special purpose grand jury and how right. how her subpoena falls within this and his having to testify got to fall. But she didn't really address that particular argument like like directly like it was sort of like a indirect sort of. So so here's how I put that together. Right. I, I think that even if. Lindsey Graham is correct that the special purpose grand jury itself cannot hand out the indictment, the criminal indictment of Donald Trump. It can gather information that could then be used in going to uh, and you would then cut to the head of the line of. And that's the whole point, right? That's the whole point of the special purpose grand jury, because because the regular grand jury can't do the investigation and the special purpose grand jury can't do the indictment and they can't exist without each other. Exactly. Right. It, it 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 seems like a needlessly <laughs> complex and bonkers system to me. Uh, but uh, but the argument that was being raised by by Lindsey Graham would have had an implication that says um, that 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 there, there would be no effort to indict Donald Trump or anyone at the conclusion of that grand jury. And as I read that, I thought that can't possibly be correct. Right? Yeah. And it would also mean that special purpose grand juries can't enforce subpoenas anymore right well you know, <laughs> leave, leave that one aside <laughs> you know leave, like and then georgia would be like oh maybe we should just have one grand jury yeah maybe good idea should, <laughs> maybe we should instead of but you know having this 
bizarre system where you have one standing grand jury that's backed up for all time and then you have to convene these special purpose maybe just do it the way everybody else does but in any event um that that argument absolutely struck me from right uh, from from lindsey graham's argument and the fact that it is not addressed head-on by the the judge in the order or uh by uh fonnie willis in their reply brief leads me to believe that the that that this is probably one of those things where it's like like everybody knows that you're misreading this provision but it's kind of complicated and a red herring so we're just not going to talk we're going to <laughs> reiterate that the the statutory justification right that says uh and that's the, the part purpose that, that we the, both quoted yeah. right mm-hmm. the, here's the purpose here's what it can do you're reading limitations that aren't there and we are just not going to get into the history of special purpose grand juries because that's a rabbit trail we don't have to go down yeah, that's I how i read is, that but it's still a huge yeah it's a great question and i bet it's happened before too right like oh sure like everybody at the oh shit here we go again somebody of the our two two grand jury system yeah we know we know you know like <laughs> it was i feel like they're all like all exactly aspirated with it i i i have had to litigate um on a couple of occasions uh uh, race judicata collateral estoppel uh uh, matters and there are these hairline differences between what counts as race judicata versus what counts as collateral estoppel and every time you go to litigate it you you, you've got to begin and everyone looks at the court with like yeah yeah yeah, we know there are plenty of judicial decisions that just use the wrong words okay let's get that out of the way right up front (laughs) there's like the leading case in you know in x jurisdiction says race judicata throughout and means collateral estoppel we know okay um and and that that had that feeling of like all right like (laughs) we we know this is an area where it's uh it's a it's a sticky wicket but uh you know we're uh we're not we're not we're not biting and Mm -hmm. it's not relevant so (laughs) it it really so there's the bottom line um and and now combine that with uh the fact that so so Lindsey Graham is not a target of the investigation of, of the special purpose grand jury. But Rudy um, is. But Rudy Giuliani <laughs> is. So now tell I me, uh, just tell me really that. quick how how because uh, Renato Mariotti was saying this on Twitter and uh, a lot of very prominent lawyers have said mm. when you receive a target letter, you're going to be indicted. Yeah, again, um, not, not my. <laughs> <laughs> not my practice, but um, th- this is not one of those where like uh, the word is actually Target and it is left over from 13th century Saxony and means something. No, target letter means um, you're the target of the information. Uh, uh, you're the target of the investigation or a right? target. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or one of. Yeah, that, that's exactly <laughs> right. Um, the The typical practice of a federal prosecutor is that um you have made the decision because you because you are now giving them information right so uh when when you give a potential defendant uh a target letter you are saying we have substantial evidence that leads us to believe uh that uh you may have committed a crime um the target letter typically then specifies what those crimes are uh, and says, hey, um, you can uh, get yourself a lawyer uh, and you can get 
uh, or, or, you know, we, we, we'll get court appointed counsel for you. Um, oftentimes, uh, a target letter will um, advise against spoliation, right? It will say, hey, look, and, and that's that's some of the reasons that you go after it with specificity, right, is to say, hey, um, this investigation is open. It is a separate crime if you destroy evidence. Uh, and so we're telling you right now, you're under investigation. You're our target or one of our targets. And if you destroy evidence, then that that will also be something <laughs> uh, for which we will come after you. Um, but yeah. I, I have not seen. Well, I, I guess I could say it this way. The, the cases in which I have seen in which um, somebody receives a target letter uh, and then is not subsequently indicted are the cases in which that person is well represented by counsel and they strike a deal immediately. Right. Um, and then, you know, there's just you waive the indictment, you get an information and you go straight to the deal. Hmm. Um and so that that to me, um, it, you know, if 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 you were to ask, you know, why would you give uh, Giuliani a target letter here? I would say the the two things that I would infer from that are number one, uh, to guard against spoliation and number two, uh, to 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 try and, and pressure him to uh, to come forward and, and make a deal. Yeah. Yeah. And and also, um, you know, there's a little additional breaking news. Um, Ooh. Uh, Eric Hirschman has been subpoenaed okay. by federal grand jury uh, in, in the January 6th, pro- probably the fraudulent elector scheme, probably the, yeah. uh, that whole shebang. So lots, lots of movement. Uh, so that still means happening. we get to see more of that bat on his wall. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the justice bat. <laughs> the justice bat. And what what was the other thing? It's anyway. three child, silver child scalps. And then uh, the big, the big 50 shades of gray panda. He's, he's an, he was an art dealer, art collector. He sat on the board of a lot of art uh, stuff. And that's apparently all very, very fine art, I guess. Ah, well, uh, I do not have a justice bat, so. No, me um, neither. No. I, 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 just to kind of uh, close the loop with respect to um, Rudy receiving a target letter, um, th- this is not a, uh, a a due process issue, right? Like it's it is uh, the, the the prosecutors have particularized reasons when they do issue such letters. Uh, they don't have to, um, and you know you can't uh, you can't you know, move to quash or or move to dismiss the target letter or whatever. It's that way of saying we're investigating it, right? And sometimes, most times, I would think, uh, prosecutors w- would rather not tell you that you're being investigated until they've completed that investigation. That's why when you do receive one, I uh, you want to look at the specific situations and then you know, try and infer like, okay, what is important enough here that um, a a prosecutor would want to say, hey, you're on notice, you're a target of this investigation. And and again, I have very limited experience with this, but in my experience that uh, those are concerns over spoliation and trying to get a deal. And let's be honest, like, Rudy has always struck me as the person whom, you know, when the jaws are coming down, he's going to squeal. But uh, you know, that's we 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 will see. That's a lot of super space beans at this point. So, yeah, 
Totally true. Uh, and, and it is of note that it's Rudy's lawyers who told the New York Times that he got the target letter. So this isn't a DOJ leak uh, or a Fonnie Willis leak. Yeah, I well, right. State. Yeah, anyway. State. But, yeah. But, so um, there's no leak. So when you see leaks, uh, watch out for that. And of course, now Trump is tweeting on Truth Social, um, <laughs> which is also under federal criminal investigation, that uh, his that they, the, they took his passports uh, when they executed the search warrant. That's what he's saying. Um, so again, that's all coming from. They took Trump's passports. Three of Trump's passports. Yeah. Why? Why does he have three passports? First I of all, have yeah, the one. Uh, yeah. yeah anyway. <laughs> I never understood like why people have like multiple passports. Well, I, I've, I've never understood a legal reason why they would. I'm sure. Some I think of our it's listeners to get to know. certain. Yeah, I think it's to get to certain countries. You need to go through other certain countries, uh, and you don't want to go. Th- have a passport that says you've been through other countries that those countries hate or something like that. I, there's something about that, that, that requires multiple passports. I heard it uh, explained when they were confiscated from Manafort, uh, when he, when he oh. lost his eight passports or however many he had. Um, it it, it kind of made sense, but you know, I could, we can look at that up at another time, but that's, that's what Trump is telling everyone on true social that his three passports right. were stolen. They were stolen. Uh, right that's, out that's, from underneath my nose. That's what he's truthing out. Yeah, that's what he's truthing out. Yeah. I don't know. All right. All right. <sighs> Lots of news. Um, and of course, we'll cover it all on opening arguments and the Daily Beans, um, probably as you're listening to this yesterday. So <laughs> you might want to go back and do your little time travel uh, podcast tricks. Uh, but it's been uh, great to see you again, Andrew. This has been an uh, exceptionally helpful uh, show for me to understand, uh, you know, a lot of the uh, things associated with the search warrant, a lot of things associated with Senator Lindsey Graham's arguments about quashing subpoenas. So thank you for answering my questions. And uh, I, I can't wait to see you next week. To what what could go like bef- uh, when we recorded last week, we hadn't gotten the search warrant executed. No. What's going to happen this week between now uh, and and next when we record next Monday? I, I can't imagine. But it's it's been uh, it's been great talking to you today. I appreciate it. Uh, Likewise, as we part, I want to ask you the question that I asked Thomas Smith, and that is, does, you know, we've been we've we've been riding high before we've we've um, perhaps overestimated what what uh, the effect of certain investigations would be. What what what's what's your mood? How are you feeling? What do you what do you think about this? Does this feel like a big deal to you? Yeah. And of course, you know, after the entire Mueller investigation, uh, and, and, you know, I had tried to warn people, like, he's a prosecutor. He's not pizzazz. It's not going to be what you think. He's going to put out a report and he's going to want Congress to do the rest. He's not going to indict him. Like, everybody chill. Uh, I, I, so I've just been kind of reporting on facts. Here's what's happening. Uh, but really, honestly, I'm, I, I am in a very celebratory mood. <laughs> I, 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 you know, yeah. I mean, I don't want to, you know, roll out the mission accomplished banner yet. I, uh, <laughs> mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. Uh, it, there's, there's, there's a lot to do, but you know, we have taken various positions over the past year and a half, and and have said, you know, look, like you could read this as the DOJ isn't going to go up against, you know, isn't going to indict anyone higher than Enrique Tario, right? That that's that's where it caps out. Or you could read this as, 
the DOJ is doing what they've said, which is, you know, not talking about open investigations uh, until they have to make a court filing. They subpoenaed and, Donald Trump yeah. months yeah. ago, and we had yeah. no idea. That's right. Um, um, so, yeah, and that's just that one investigation. Who knows what's going on in the other ones? I mean, we know Hirschman has been subpoenaed. And it is within 90 days of an election. Now, Hirschman isn't running for anything. Right. But the investigation into the coup has to do with Donald Trump, who has endorsed several candidates. So it doesn't seem like they're not taking any overt investiga investigative actions within, you know, uh, not taking overt investigative actions within 90 days, at least as it... As it uh, it, with regards to some of the people who might roll up on on Donald Trump or who are lower in the in the coup scheme, uh, but he's also not a target. I imagine Hirschman is not a target uh, at all. I, I, yeah, so he's he's so, just a yeah. cooperating witness, uh, uh, much like uh, Cipollone would be. Uh, but we, you know, we'll see. We'll see how this shakes out. We'll see how conservative the Department of Justice is uh, within sixty to ninety days uh, of an election, um, especially after what happened with Comey. And uh, trying to uh, return and restore the integrity uh, of the Department of Justice. Um, yeah, although it always feels like the Republicans get in one free hit below the belt before you change the rules to try and mm -hmm, you know stop mm -hmm. it again. But um, no, I, I, I agree with that. I, I would say, yeah. So take two takeaways. Number one, if you thought that the re readoption of the bar memo meant that nothing was going to happen with respect to Trump and his cronies from here to the end of the year. You were wrong. Mm -hmm. Right. And that, and that's OK. I do a weekly segment called I was wrong. Right? Mm -hmm. Like there's that. But 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 it's time to revise that. Right. It's time to say, OK, maybe this DOJ isn't just going to, you know, sit around, do nothing and protect the former guy. And that, And that's the second part, which is if you were a member of that tiny and ill-informed minority that was like, well, you know, the Democrats are, it's all the same. I, you know, I had I, the, the, that one, uh, you know, goober who thinks that who would like tweet out a picture of Merrick, Merrick Garland moderating a federalist society debate and was like, see, he's a member of the federalist society. And you're like, I, it, are you are you kidding me? Right. That there is no you cannot have that belief at this point in time. Right. This is this administration uh, and this Merrick Garland's Department of Justice uh, has taken aggressive action against the former president of the United States. Is it is it enough for us to say no, no like no, but they're not but they're not done yet. Yeah. <laughs> and it is and it is enough to disprove some of, I think, the worst fears on our side. And uh, I feel sure. good about that. Yeah, me too. And I, I loved I loved Garland's statement to that effect. Um, like you said, I've always said that our work will speak through court filings and, and, <laughs> and therefore I give you a court filing. Peace out. No, I'm not answering any questions. Bye. <laughs> yep. Like, yep. Four, so four minutes start to finish. Yeah. That is, <laughs> yes. you know, it takes us four minutes to, you know, tee up the question. <laughs> right. Yeah, we uh, have to unpack everything. That's why. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, it's 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 going to be interesting to see what happens between now and, and when we when we next speak, which will be, uh, you know, episode 83. I look forward to it. All right. I can't wait. Thank you so much, Allison. This was always uh, a, a lot of fun. And 
uh, you know, some some episodes are easier to do than others. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's very true. That's very true. So Andrew Torres, Allison Gill, we'll see you next week. Uh, we aren't going to take any additional questions at this time. As I said, yep. no, <laughs> we'll see you next <laughs> week on Clean Up on Aisle 45. Clean Up on Aisle 45 is written, researched, and produced by Allison Gill and Andrew Torres with editing by Molly Hockey. Our art and logo designer by Joel Reeder and Moxie Design Studios, and our music is composed and performed by Adam Orr. Clean Up on Aisle 45 is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, visit mswmedia.com. They might be giants have been on the road for too long. Too long. And they might be giants aren't even sorry. Not even sorry. And audiences like the shows too much. Too much. And now they might be giants are playing their breakthrough album Flood. All of it. And they still have time for other songs. They're fooling around. Who can stop They Might Be Giants and their liberal rock agenda? Who? No one. This ad was paid for with somebody else's money. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn-in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane, and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis' first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA. As a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler, how much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary. They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said... Show me, in a courtroom, how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing in the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th, or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now.